Hello, I'm Justin Bell Guarini, CEO and founder of Live to Perform, and you are listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. Today's episode is titled Be a No Ninja. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. As artists, we work years, decades, sometimes our entire lives honing our craft, trying to become masters. And yet it's all for moments, for a great audition, for a great performance, for a great run in a show. But what happens in between those moments? We are doing battle every single day with ourselves and with the industry and with all the things going on in our lives. But the real question is, how do we prepare our minds, our spirits, our bodies, and our business sense to do battle and to win on the battlefield of our artistry? The Warrior Artist Podcast answers those questions and a whole lot more. I'm Justin Belguarini, and you're listening to The Warrior Artist Podcast. I'd like to preface this next podcast really quickly with just a little side note. Um, In it, I talk about, like the title suggests, being a no ninja. If you are someone who is just a sort of a lifelong ensemble member, uh, someone who is very happy with not having to deal with the pressures and all that of being um, uh, very famous or a lead or kind of being the person who's who's uh, gets gets put out there uh, for all the critics or whatnot to shoot down. That is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I love you for it. It is a beautiful thing. But if you have the urge to go to the next level, and and it doesn't necessarily mean like Beyonce level. <laughs> but I'm talking about just the next level for yourself, whether whatever that is, whatever that means to you, then this next podcast that you're about to listen to, this next episode rather, here, is is really important. Okay? I just want to make that distinction. Lately I've been doing something that I never thought I would really be doing, certainly not to the extent I've been doing it, and that is turning down work, turning down auditions. Now, I know what some of you must be thinking, oh, you poor, oh, you poor baby, are you turning down auditions? Are you turning down Broadway and regional work and all this other stuff, you poor thing? And I would say to you, well, I understand that I am very, very lucky to have the type of offers that I have when it comes to regional theaters, 99 point uh, regional work, 99.9% of the time it is offer only for me because I have done X amount and created enough amount of, uh, of a body of work um, that that is what we, my agents and I feel comfortable doing. And that's what people know when they come to me from a regional sense. Now for Broadway stuff, I, I still have to audition just like you do, and uh, I'm happy to do so. But I have turned down a significant amount of work over the past six to eight months because I am building my own coaching business. 
which you will hear about very shortly. Within the next few months, you will begin to see the platform that I am releasing. But until then, I wanted to talk in this episode about two concepts. Well, one concept, really. And there's two ways uh, I like to put it. It's either being a no ninja or a boundary ninja. Being a no ninja or a boundary ninja. And I've had to learn the hard way. And it's only been recently that I've actually implemented this strategy. And it's working. That saying no and being a no ninja or being a boundary ninja is one of the most important things that you can do if you want to achieve your goals. And what I mean by saying no is not just saying no in general, but saying no to the things that take your energy away, take your focus away from whatever your plan or your vision is. Yesterday in the podcast, um, I said mission statement. I talked about a mission statement and creating what your mission statement is, what a mission statement is, what it means to be an entrepreneur and about shifting your mindset from being just an employee to also an entrepreneur. I am still an employee. I'm an employee of a, of a, um, a soft drink company that we do these, uh, commercials, um, every year. And I'm an employee of the producers and the director and everybody. And the, when I go do Broadway shows, but I can also be an entrepreneur and I am also an entrepreneur. And so if you want to find out more about that, go and listen to yesterday's podcast. But for this one, I've turned down a lot of work because I realized that focusing all of my energy and making sure that I focus my energy is so much more important. So I've turned down work that is not artistically fulfilling. A good example of that, uh, someone who's very famous, is Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier, at one point in his life, was responsible for feeding his family, and he was an actor, and, and he was turning down work that was not artistically fulfilling, that wa- was typecasting him in a sort of racial or a bias kind of way that he didn't like, and that he he had the long view to be able to see that, okay, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep growing, but I'm not going to take whatever comes down the pike. And I know that's a very scary thought for some of you. It's still a very scary thought for me, even at this point in my career with the success that I've had, I still have to be like, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't try that. And there have been some amazing opportunities that have come my way. Things that I would have in the past jumped at, but because I have an idea of what it is that I want to do and that I know and I believe and that it gives me life and I have this vision, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I have said no to many a beautiful project, even the ones that are artistically fulfilling. And I've had to force myself to say No, because otherwise I'm trying to scatter my energy to the four winds and nothing is served at the height and at the level it could be. So focusing my energy, uh, turning down uh, things because I want to focus my energy, turning down things because they're not artistically fulfilling, and also turning down things because it's just the bad timing with my plan and my vision. So let's let's take a, a mini deep dive 
into this? How do we figure all this out? How do we figure it out? And one of the first questions when people come to me and say for career advice and things like that, and where would I go? Because uh, I feel like, don't don't you feel like you just kind of are in a grind in terms of like, okay, I get up, I audition, I hope I get it. If I get it, I do the job. Okay, great. And then the job ends and then I just, you know, repeat. Rinse, repeat. And you just get in this sort of thing. You don't ever get the type of roles that you want to get. You don't get the places and the things that you want. It just seems like you're just in this sort of cycle in the rat race, as Robert Kiyosaki would call it. And it's true. And at every level that happens or can happen, whether you're uh, auditioning again for, for, for church things or regional theaters or, or high level sort of regional theaters or Broadway, everyone gets caught into that thing. Even people who have won Tonys. And the people that we, we, uh, you know, when you win the Tony, it's like, that's the, the thing. When you win the Tony, that's when television and film comes knocking. And the television people really take you seriously then. And then you get onto a TV show or maybe you get some guest spots or if you're lucky, you get to be like a Sutton Foster and you get your own show. Or a Cynthia Revo, and you get these films. And yet there still is that rat race happening even at that level. So when I'm pulling it all back down, when people come to me and they ask me about career advice and things like that, I say to them the very simplest question that I can say, that I can ask them, and that is this, four words, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Have you ever seen that, that meme with Ryan Gosling? in the notebook where he's, he's, he's yelling at uh, Rachel McAdams character. What do you want? What do you want? What do you, what do you want? <laughs> That's what I feel like sometimes. What do you want is the question. What do you want? What do you want for your career? What is the end goal? Or what is the next level for you? Because I could say, I want $10 million. Oh, great. Well, good for you, buddy. Good for me, rather. But there are some steps in between that $10 million. Okay, so great. If that's really what I want. Or I want a Tony. Or I want to be on Broadway. Or I want all these things. I want to be an award-winning film. Okay, great. That's And there's nothing wrong with wanting any of those things. But then you got to break it down and say, okay, well, what, what's, what's your vision? You know, it's the same thing. What do you want? What's your vision? What do you see your end goal being or the ultimate next level thing for you? And what does it look like? What does it feel like? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you taste it? And then... I love to ask the question, okay, well, what would be, what do you need to make it happen? What are the skill sets, the mindsets, the coaches or the mentors or the teachers or the, the, the books or whatever that you'd have to read in order to make that happen? This is not, this is not, 
This is not rocket science. There are plenty of people of what would be quote-unquote mediocre to low intelligence who have achieved amazing things. Henry Ford being one of them. Henry Ford was notoriously not a smart person. There's a whole thing, you should read about it. There's a whole thing where he sued some paper for calling him dumb or something like that or libel or something. And there was a whole court, I mean, of course, this is in the early 1900s, right? But there was a whole court battle where people, lawyers, and then the prosecution and the defense, the defense was questioning him about his intelligence and literally lobbing him these questions to test his intelligence in court to see if the paper had been, uh, would, was really truly worthy of being accused for libel of saying things that weren't true about him. I mean, uh, and so Henry Ford, the guy who started the Ford Motor Company, built one of the first uh, what do you call them? Production um, uh, production line cars. What is it? The Ford Model T was not that intelligent, but yet look at what he did. But he knew how to find someone who could create an engine. He knew how to find a person who could design the tires. He knew how to find uh, another person who could stitch the seats together. He knew how to up. Find the people who had the skill sets and the mindsets. Whereas he had, what? The vision. Steve Jobs had the vision of Apple. Started this company. It was great, it was great, it was great. And eventually, he started messing things up. So much so, that the board, that his board of his company kicked him out. They booted him because he was he he was trying to micromanage and control all these things that he did not necessarily have the skill sets and the mindsets and the ability and or maybe even the intelligence. I don't know, although he's an extremely intelligent person to run and control. And then the funny thing is, is that when everything was rested, wrestled back, the control was wrestled back and Apple started going and great. And then they found themselves stuck and they weren't able to innovate. What did they do? Ring, ring, ring. Hey, Steve, I know you said some things. We said some things. We need you, buddy. Come on back because we need your what? Your vision. And then what comes along? the iPhone and everything else or the iPod rather and everything else and the iPhone and everything else that has sprung from that. So go back to the questions. What do you want? What is your vision? What do you need to make it happen? What are the skill sets, the mindsets, the coaches, the mentors, the teachers that you need to employ in order to up your skill sets and your mindsets and your abilities. And then break it down. What is your quarterly plan? What are your quarterly targets? What's your yearly plan? Okay, if I want to make, uh, let's just say if it's a monetary thing, I'd like to make $100,000 this year. Okay, great. Awesome. So from today... 
until 365 days later, you have the goal of making $100,000, let's just say. Great. What do you have to do in these first three months in order to up your skill sets, mindsets, get the coaches, mentors, or teachers that you need in order to get the first target? What? A, break it down. What's the first quarter look like? What do you need to have done by the second quarter? What do you need to have done by the third quarter? And then by the fourth quarter, because this is the, when you really truly get into it, especially from a financial perspective, you're going to have to learn that you need to, in order to make $100,000 or whatever your financial goals are, or if it's, I don't want to mix metaphors here or mix ideas, but like, I want to be, uh, have the lead in this show, or I want to be, um, I don't know, I'd like to, to, to be auditioning for Broadway shows or I'd like to get a, a film gig or I'd like, whatever it is. As grandiose as it may be. Now keep in mind, there are things that you can do in a year that are amazing. And then there are things that like, I'd like to make $10 million this year, which is not crazy, by the way. But it leads me to my next point. What energy and time is it going to take for me to do this work well? What energy and time is it going to take for me to do this work well? Well, well, well. Not okay. Not sort of great. Not, oh, maybe every other day. No, no, no. Doing it well. Because if you truly, the bigger your goal, the more outlandish, quote unquote, outlandish, because I think all things are possible. Almost all things are possible. <laughs> Let me caveat that. But it may seem crazy to you if you are living in any town USA and you say, well, a year later, I'd like to be on Broadway. It may be, it may feel crazy to you, but I guarantee you that if you were to follow my advice, get very clear on what that vision is, see it, feel it, taste it, hold it in your mind, take five minutes a day to meditate on it every single day, and then you ask yourself, what do I need to make it happen? What skill sets, mindsets, coaches, mentors, teachers, software, whatever, do I, would I need? And you start doing the research on that, and then you break that down into a quarterly plan, monthly, quarterly goals, And then you figure, what energy, what time is it going to take for me to do this work well? Which leads me to the two biggest points of consistency and perseverance. Without these two, among other things, but especially without these two things, you're sunk. Non-starter. Consistently. What time and energy is it going to take for me to do this work consistently well? What time and energy is it going to take for me to do this work well? What will I have to persevere through in order to do this work, to achieve this thing, and to do it well? consistency. Now, consistency, I think I spoke in another podcast, consistency is not the key. Being consistently good is the key. 
Anybody can be consistent. We're all consistently bad in a lot of things in our lives. We consistently make crap-ass choices for our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our business, our relationships. But can we make consistent choices that serve us at the highest levels? Can we persevere through the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and the, and the you know, the two steps forward, five steps back, and then another ten steps forward, maybe one step back, and the dot, the dot, the dot, the dot, the slings and the arrows. Do you have what it takes to achieve your heart's desire, your heart's truest desire? So let's go back to the beginning. What do I want? What's my vision? See it, feel it, taste it, hold it in my mind. If you don't have a meditation practice, you need to get one. Even if it's only five minutes a day. Because I guarantee if you sit down even for two minutes a day and start to visualize, you're going to get hungry after about a week or two of doing it. And consistently, again, consistency, if you just keep doing it, keep doing it, you know, hell, I'm just gonna sit and I'm gonna visualize for two minutes. I've never meditated before, I can't sit still. I, I personally am someone who has that leg shake thing where I, sh- you know, I shake my leg under the table and sometimes my wife has to put her hand on my knee and I don't even know I'm doing it. But I've developed a meditation routine where I spend, I spend 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes every single day meditating. And I'm hungry for more. It's not enough. But I see it in my mind, what it is that I want, who it is that I want to serve, the type of people that I want to create a community with and for. My vision Next question, what do I need to make it happen? The skill sets, the mindsets, the coaching, the mentors, the teachers. And then creating the quarterly and yearly plan or plans. This is this could be it, something that you're like, look, I'm not crazy. I know I'm not going to make a billion dollars in one year, but maybe I will in five years. Look, uh, I'm uh, 12 or no, I'm not maybe 12. That's a little young. Maybe I'm 15 and I want to finish high school. But in three years, I'd like to be out of, fresh out of high school and be a Broadway baby. So this is not all, you know, this, this can be in larger time swaths than, you know, because we're so used to just having everything right here, right now. <laughs> my kids, it's so hilarious. The instant gratification. Even my generation, I'm 40, my generation, we are used to instant gratification. We have instant everything. You want something on your phone? Boom. It's an app. You literally look at your phone, click a button, and boop, it downloads. You have it. Want to watch a video? Boop. You have it. Want something from Amazon? Want to get it that day? Or if you live in in the city or in any uh, major metropolis, you can sometimes get things within the hour or two. Boop. Instant gratification. But things that matter, that will make a difference in your life, and or in the lives of other folks, take time. So quarterly, yearly, two, three, four, five year plans, fine. And then the next and final point, what energy and time is it going to take for me to do this work well? What is the consistency I'm going to need to have? What is the perseverance I'm going to need to have in order to 
create the person that can achieve this desire, this vision. There's a quote, well-behaved women rarely make history. Ladies, get into that. You don't have to do bad or illegal things. I mean, bad is all relative, but what I'm talking about is illegal. (laughs) But well-behaved women rarely make history. To my gentlemen listening, Walt Disney, look up his backstory. I mentioned it before in this pod, but I'm fascinated with how he began and the fact that he went to uh, 30 or 40 some odd banks begging for a loan to make this cartoon or this animated drawing. I don't know if they called them cartoons back then. Animated drawing, Steamboat Willie. And he had this vision in his mind. I mean, you want to fast forward even after he was successful as a a cartoonist on his deathbed. There was this reporter who had been just begging for an interview, begging for an interview, begging, 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 begging an interview. And they turned him down, turned him down. They're like, Walt's dying. And somehow this guy person begged enough and they were allowed into the room where Walt was in his bed dying and on his deathbed, Walt, it was so he could barely get the words out, so much so that the reporter had to lay or be very, very, very close to Walt in order to hear what he had to say. The report that I heard is that he had to lay next to him in the bed so that he could hear what Walt Disney was saying. And what Walt Disney was talking to this reporter about was the fact that he, in about, uh, he had this vision of a place where people could go and they could be kids again and they could ride rides and they could see amazing things from around the world and technologies and it was a, it was a it was a theme park Walt Disney World on his deathbed he had that vision and continued to talk about it and 5 years later I think it was 3 or 5 years later they cut the ribbon on Walt Disney World he was dead and yet he was still a part of that vision And he was still, I'm sure, very present in terms of the instructions he left behind and all the other people that he spoke to via their lives. He was present in his own immaculate vision that spawned countless fringe businesses and affected Tens, hundreds of millions of people. I mean, I would be surprised if it wasn't we're not in billions peoples of lives. All because he, in some way, just like the the women who are not well behaved, quote unquote, who made history, they all, in some way, asked themselves these basic questions, whether they knew it or not. 
But now, technology is so, and human progress is so, that there are many, many people out there who can help you. And many, many resources at our fingertips. You're listening to this on probably one of them. I always love to say, you know, what if there was some machine? Whatever, we're like, we don't, what, 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 what year was Back to the Future made in? Can you remember? Oh, Jesus. And then all of us are sitting around and we're like, wait, I, I love to say, oh, wait, what if there was some machine that we could ask any question to and almost instantaneously get an answer? And I pull out my iPhone. And that's hilarious, but it's true. 1985, by the way, is the answer to that question. 1985, Back to the Future. Then 1989 was Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 3 was 1990. Not that you care, but just in case you were wondering. I was watching them with my son today. That's why I know. So, what do you want? What do you need to make it happen? What energy and time is it going to take for you to do the work well? That is the basis of being a no ninja or a boundary ninja because you set up around yourself a hedge that says, I will not be distracted. I will not spray my energy around. I will focus. I will be consistent. I will persevere because I believe in a vision. Without a vision, the people perish. I believe in a vision. I believe in myself and I'm going to, I'm going to figure out who I need to become in order to attain my heart's truest desire. That's all I got for you today, folks. My name is Justin Belguarini and you've been listening to the Warrior Artist Podcast. As always, you can email me at justin at live to perform. Dot com i l i v e t o p e r f o m o r m dot com if you have any questions comments concerns make it a good one folks